<laughs> Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast with Aaron Holt, Functional Nutritionist. I work with clients on the seacoast of New Hampshire and virtually all over the world through both private consultations and online nutrition programs. I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Mayorana, registered dietitian of Root Down Nutrition based in Asheville, North Carolina. We are both board-certified integrative and functional nutritionists. This means we dive deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. In this podcast, we will address all things health, food, and nutrition, discussing our research, clinical experience, and life experience. Please keep in mind our disclaimer, this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or medical treatment. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. This is the first time we've ever recorded in the morning. Really? Ever. I guess you're right. It's At usually least like... Early. I've had coffee and that's it so far. Same. I really should have doubled down before this episode. <laughs> Uh, so what's happening with you? Anything new and noteworthy? No, not not really. It's been like a polar vortex everywhere else. I just checked the weather for the week, and um, it's going to be 60s all week and 70 on Sunday, on Thursday. So that's kind of odd for a Friday, um, February, but I'll take it. I want to come down and visit you right now. I know. I know. It's actually supposed to be, it's like two two degrees negative 17 degrees I don't know it's very cold right now and then this week it's going to be like in the 50s or something so that's great for everybody's immune system nobody knows what's happening everybody's <laughs> getting sick hey speaking of immune system I just posted a, a new blog and YouTube video on immune boosting hot chocolate you have to go check that out everybody Ooh. it's so good and it's just a way um how do you just kept I mean she's in pre-k so it's like it's happening you know any moms of young kiddos know it just happens. They get colds all the time. So I took her to my naturopath who was like, well, you should give do all these things. And a lot of them I was already doing, but she told me to use astragalus powder, um, which Amy, her vital way, Amy has talked about on the show before. She's like, just sprinkle it into soups and stews. So I've been doing that. But my naturopath was like, give like at least a quarter teaspoon to Hattie every single day. And it I, have you ever tried astragalus no, before? No, it's like it's a little smoky. I don't know how to describe it, but it's not the most palatable. It's not a bad taste at all. But I'm like, how do I? I can't just like keep stirring this into you know her like water and like right. yogurt. She's like something's Ugh. off here. <laughs> so anyway, I developed this recipe and it's so good that we've been just like pounding it. Um, You're so, so good about making those elixirs. I love my elixirs. I made a good one yesterday with maca powder. I tried, um, I got andrographis. Is that it? Andrographis, yeah. I got that when I was sick over the, um, in like December or something. Oh my God, that tastes really bad. Did That's you get it in a powder? I've only no, taken I, it in a powder. No, powder. I got like a tincture. And it, it oh. was, yeah. That stuff works really well. You have to be, it's kind of crazy because you have to be super, um, super on top of it. So at the start of a cold, you have to like pound it. But if you do that, it works really well. Oh, I think I was like pussyfooting around it a bit. <laughs> you can't pussyfoot around with andrographis. Nope. All right. Good to know. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> so we've got a listener question episode for you. So let's just dive into it because yeah. there's a few, quite a few of the things that we need to get into. Yes. And my brain's not working right. All right. You want, you want me to read just this go. first one? Just take the wheel. Body, <laughs> Body Soul Wellness um, asks, can you talk about nutritional help for weaning off SSRI or stuff to do before weaning? Okay. Awesome question. For those of you guys who don't know, SSRIs are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors and they're antidepressants. So, of course, I have to post this disclaimer. We are not telling anybody to get off of their medication. We're not taking a stance on whether or not you should be on medication. None of that's happening here. We're just answering this question. Now, I have had clients who are who have weaned off of these types of medications, and 
always, 100% of the time, I send them back to their prescribing physician and say, you need to work with them too. This is not something that I would take on as a nutritionist. I can support you from a nutrition standpoint, but this, you know, you need to talk to your doctor. Getting off of these meds are no joke, no joke. Um, So just, of course, have to post that disclaimer. Now, The first thing we want to start to ask is, are there physiological reasons for your depression? Are there physiological reasons for any mood disorders? And of course, there can be. Um, So that's kind of where I'm going to take this discussion. I think nutrition is very overlooked in the whole world of depression. Um, Carl Pfeiffer kind of wrote the book. He's a he's a doctor. Um, I mean, he like literally wrote books uh, on nutrition and mental illness. In fact, he has a book called Nutrition and Mental Illness that you might want to pick up just to leaf through. He takes an orthomolecular approach, which basically just means you're treating disease with nutrients. So you're looking at the body, you're saying, where are you deficient? And then you're filling in those holes with supplements. Um, He, in his book, he talks a lot about copper overload and also histamine. So I'm not going to get, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole today just for the sake of time. But if any of that is striking a chord with you, then you definitely want to um, check that book out or Google around on the internet and determine whether uh, copper overload might be an issue for you or histamine issues um, come into play. But really what I see, I think this is the big the big guy, is blood sugar regulation or dysregulation. So you need to make sure that you're stabilizing your blood sugar if you have any um, anxiety, any depression, any mood disorders, and if you're going to be coming off of these medications, that's going to be the first place to start. I can't tell you how many times I see this. You know, we've certainly talked about it on the show before, but the brain needs fuel. And the brain's primary fuel source is glucose. And it needs a steady stream of glucose, of sugar, in order to do its job. So it's going to be very, very sensitive to any type of blood sugar disruption, any dysregulation, any low blood sugar, hypoglycemia. The brain's not going to function well. And of course, this is going to lead to um, symptoms of, uh, well, I don't want to say symptoms, but any type of any type of stuff in the brain, whether that's cognition or mood, anxiety, whatever. So of course, that's going to be the first place to start. Um, how do you do this? There's a number of different ways to skin this cat. I've been saying that a lot lately. I don't like it. So gross. <laughs> as soon like as it, it comes, I mean, I say that a lot <laughs> lately. I don't know why it's coming out of my mouth. As soon as it leaves my lips, I'm like, gross, sick. Why? Why is that a thing? Um, there's a number of ways to approach this. <laughs> Better. But I will say just, again, for the sake of time, my carb compatibility project, that is the main function of that four-week program is to stabilize and regulate blood sugar. So if this is a concern for you, do that program. My Fueled and Fit program is also going to help out in that department as well. So look into one of those programs. But basically, you want to be eating a, a solid macronutrient ratio in when I'm when I like you want to make sure you're eating plenty of fats, plenty of protein, the appropriate amount of carbs for you, eating consistently throughout the day, not going long stretches without eating. Um, I know that intermittent fasting is all the rage right now, but if you've got hypoglycemia, that is not for you. So uh, that's where you want to start. Um, nutrition is also a key player in blood sugar regulation because glucose metabolism, Kyle, think back to the Krebs cycle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I like can just visualize our chart as we studied for the exam. I still have mine. It's so overwhelming. I I should put one up in my office just to be, look how far you've come come. a long way. (laughs) Look how started from the Krebs cycle. Now we here. Um, But glucose metabolism needs B vitamins, vitamin C, calcium, potassium, magnesium, zinc, chromium, manganese, phosphorus. It needs a ton of nutrients in order to utilize your blood sugar, to store it, to utilize it. So again, nutrition in terms of like actual nutrients from your food are going to come into play here. So I think for all of those reasons, it's it's smart to at least get yourself on a multivitamin with uh, minerals. Do you have a favorite? You you take multivitamins, right, Kyle? Uh, yeah, I was taking multi nutrients five from Vital Nutrients. 
I like that. Does that have the mineral complex in it? I think so. I don't Probably know. Does. I, I recently switched. Um, pure encapsulations has has some good ones. Um, yeah, get get yourself on a good high quality uh, multivitamin, multimineral, um, and that's going to be important as you transition away from your medication. You also want to look at so when we're thinking of physiological reasons that you you know you could be having some interruptions in mood. Food sensitivities is a big one. We could we could talk about this all day, but the first place, well, the only thing I'll talk about right now is gluten. If you're not uh, if you're having depressive symptoms and you haven't taken yourself off gluten, do that. Try that. I'm I'm like serious hardcore 30 days no gluten. Um, we know that celiac disease can have neurological and psychiatric manifestations, but not just celiac disease. Um, gluten intolerance can as well. Remember when we studied with Tom O'Brien, we studied mm-hmm. all, all this, this the craziness with gluten. I mean, he went through case study after case study after case study of all of the the psychiatric psychiatric manifestations of gluten uh, sensitivity and it was crazy crazy. instances like crazy where they just could not figure out what was wrong people were placed on locked psych units i mean and it was just that it was just gluten and we i think when we think of food sensitivities or we think of gluten i mean i know my clients will come in and be like well i don't have any digestive symptoms or yes gluten doesn't bother me right because we look for like oh i eat the gluten and then i get the tummy ache and it doesn't Mm -hmm. happen like most of the time in fact it doesn't happen um dr tom o'brien he's kind of a gluten expert he was saying that i I forget the percentage i wish i had grabbed this this fast fact before we recorded but it's a high percentage of celiac disease actually doesn't even manifest as digestive symptoms it's it's more brain stuff so that's really really important um we have seen that gluten-free diets can improve depressive uh depressive symptoms so it's a place to start you know just i think like leave no stone unturned kind of thing and then i also have to talk about the thyroid because the thyroid governs everything from top to tail and it for sure governs brain health so if there's an issue with the thyroid there can be issues with the brain and we definitely see in cases of hypothyroidism um, anxiety and depression being fallout symptoms of that so you want to get your thyroid fully tested get a full thyroid panel a full workup on that if you haven't done so already Um, again because you want to if there is a physiological reason behind the depression you want to get to that and you want to address that Um, there's so many there's a lot of different ways or how do I want to say this a full thyroid panel not everybody agrees on what that looks like but at the very least you want to look at TSH that's thyroid stimulating hormone you want to look at free T4 free T3 I like seeing reverse T3. A lot of physicians won't run that. Um, I don't feel like getting into that that conversation today. I'm too tired to tackle that. <laughs> but um, you also want to get antibodies looked at, so TPO, thyroid peroxidase, and then uh, thyroglobulin antibodies just to make sure or to, to take note of any um, autoimmune autoimmunity going on with that. So do yourself that favor and get a thyroid workup done. And then also consider as you're transitioning off of the medication, omega-3 fats. And I'm talking like a high therapeutic dose of this. So at least one to two grams of fish oil. We want the EPA and DHA to be in a certain ratio, a two to three ratio. Now I say one to two grams, that's kind of on the conservative side. I've studied under um, a doctor who uses four to five grams clinically in his clinic that's what he uses for the brain to heal the brain um so four to five grams is a super high dose i would say be sure you're working with a practitioner if you're going to go that high but just know that that is a very brain supportive nutrient so you want to make sure you're getting plenty of that um so that's kind of my my take on the nutrition other things you can do to support yourself when you're transitioning off an ssri is cbd i am no cbd expert i've just worked with my clients who are weaning themselves off of um, antidepressants and have used cb cbd with a lot of luck so that's kind of just an anecdotal thing that i'll toss out there 
Um, obviously, you want to go get a good quality one. I really love Coyote River. It's a local company. I know them. I trust them. It's not to say that they're the only ones out there. Uh, that's just the one that I know. So it's the one that I recommend. Um, be sure you're exercising, right? You want to make sure that you're 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 releasing endorphins. You're you're feeling good. You're doing everything you can lifestyle-wise to support yourself. Um, I have to throw in neurotransmitters are really important uh, if you're for brain health. Um, making sure that your body's producing neurotransmitters. That's something that I I will work on in my practice with clients. So I won't go too far down the rabbit hole with that. But just something to be on your radar. And then um, I think I'll stop talking and hand it over to you, Kyle, because I could probably talk for another hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I have some personal experience with SSRIs. When I went back to school um, into the nutrition program, I was 26 and I'd been working full time and going to school part time. So the program that Erin and I were in were was only offered full time. And I started to kind of like, feel super out of control around not being able to prepare like I had no idea what to expect how I was going to be able to kind of meet make ends meet throughout the program the internship year you you're not really allowed to work I wasn't living at home anymore just it was a science program there was just kind of a lot stressing me out and I started to get some really kind of obsessive habits from feeling out of control, over-exercising, calorie counting, making to-do lists. Um, and my favorite, which is kind of like my hallmark um, of like just how kind of where I was at at that point in my time was uh, I was making fake budgets for myself um, where I was trying to factor in like what my budget was going to be like while I was in school. What about while I was in the internship year or after graduation or my favorite when I was 40 so I could try to figure out how much I needed to make for my future. I'm I could, I could attest to this. She literally did this. I it was not good. Um, I was so, like, this girl needs some help. <laughs> yeah, like, and if I have one kid in June, it will cost me this. I mean, it was just, I was just trying to control everything I could because I was just so nervous. Um, I just want to say, I want to throw out there that you were charging Starbucks <laughs> lattes to your credit card. We'll try to budget <laughs> 14 years in the future. That's fine. Fact. That's fine. Fact. Fact. And, you know, for nutritional sport, uh, support, I was also pounding like um, smart food and lattes at the same time. So it says it'll make you smart on the package. Totally. Totally. Um, I just didn't know how to handle all of this uncertainty. And, you know, to top things off, I started having some pretty insane outbursts of crying and losing my shit. My mom was just like, I am done dealing with you. So I went on pro. Zach and I stayed on that throughout the first year of the program and the best way I can kind of describe the effects was that I was still affected by things that happened I still felt stress happiness sadness but it just kind of smoothed out the rough edges um, but it was impossible for me to produce tears while I was on it I, I did not cry for a year while I was on that um, but because I was able to kind of keep it together a bit easier, I was able to handle what was happening better just in terms of not like totally coming apart at the seams. But here's what's interesting about my situation. While I was on Prozac, my dreams were beyond insane. Um, and I shook my legs so much that you would think I was trying to take flight from a seated position. I mean, I was constantly shaking my legs. So I believe that my anxiety was still there. It was still present. It was still coming out of me, maybe not in my outward emotions, but in my dreams and in my physical body. So the drug managed my symptoms, but it was- Wait, I want to I pop in because that sounds, have you ever heard of trauma release exercise? It's is a, that like it's EMDR? A, no, no, no. It's a thing um, where I'm, I'm probably going to butcher it. Anyone that listening that's familiar with it is like she's not doing it service. But uh, it's basically like a series of exercises that you do, kind of yoga-like st stretches, and your body shakes uncontrollably because it's releasing trauma. Um, hmm. I've done them before. It's crazy, but it sounds like that might be 
that might be something that was like going on with you. I don't know. It was it was like my legs were constantly something always had to be shaking. And um, yeah, so it was like the drug helped manage my symptoms, but it was totally still up to me to deal with what was causing my anxiety in the first place. And I, I tapered off of Prozac after a year once I got comfortable with kind of managing being back in school full time. And I've just used therapy as a way to manage my anxiety and my emotions since. But I say this because for a lot of us, it can just be the habit of actually of taking something regularly that's hard to break that, you know, even like a placebo effect down to, you know, your coffee ritual, uh, prescriptions, smoking, anything that becomes a habit in an attempt to help you manage your emotions. Um, and it's also for a lot of people, the safety net of having something there that, you know, you can take even even if you like if you need to. Have you ever met any? I've met a ton of people that have Xanax and Clonopins on them. They say they never take it, but they can't ever not have it available. They for have sure. to have that like safety net. So, well, I mean, I was on Xanax and Clonopins for like three years, so I completely can relate to that. Uh, yeah. That's how I, I weaned myself off of them was by by just like having them there. So I knew yes. if I were to have a panic attack, it was right there. And like yes. everything would be fine and safe. It's like the habit of taking it and then it's the habit of having it there. Um, so nutritional support is just, it's so, so important. But I also believe therapy in any form, whether that's, you know, yoga, going for a hike, talk therapy everything in between is going to be even more important because you'll have to explore other ways to cope and manage the emotions that caused you to go on those drugs in the first place and just like creating a new habit or breaking a habit developing these new coping skills it takes time so um if you could if you could be working on that if you're already doing that great um, while you're also supporting yourself nutritionally. So both your bo body and mind are just going to be more prepared for safely weaning off when it's time to do that, I think is really kind of getting the whole approach. Um, but definitely don't stop anything abruptly because that that will make things worse. Yep, I can speak from experience. When you were going on Prozac, I was transitioning off of my antidepressant at that same same time. Um, and I just stopped at cold turkey without any like physician help. I was just like, I'm done. Today is the day that I'm done. And it's mm. brutal because it's something that you, I mean, your body literally has to detox from it. And it was bad. And yeah. you hit some very, very low lows when that happened. So I do not recommend it by any stretch of the imagination. I'm going to throw out a resource for you guys because we can't, you know, we can't do this topic justice. But uh, Kelly Brogan is an MD and her book is phenomenal. Some people love her. Some people hate her. I am in the love category because I think she's saying things that need to be said and she's not um, afraid to say them. But it, the book is called A Mind of Your Own. And the subtitle is The Truth About Depression and How Women Can Heal Their Bodies to Reclaim Their Lives. And so she talks about the pharmaceutical industry quite a bit. And she also gives um, a lot of things you can do uh, when you're in this exact situation so I would I would pick up that book if you haven't done so already she was just on um, the goop podcast so that was a good episode to listen to you could kind of get a feel for what to expect from her book if you wanted to listen to that before buying it I kind of can't with goop but she was also on the Joe Rogan podcast this is years ago like when you can go search her name in the podcast circuit because she, when yeah. she was when she was uh, promoting her book um she was all over the place and this was a few, couple years ago but she's really really good like you can listen to her for for days she's mm -hmm. so well spoken um so i i would check her out as a resource faux show faux show um all right vic picks one asks is there any supported evidence that certain diets can relieve eczema okay Another question I have some personal experience with. Um, you know what I was giggling about is that like between the two of us, we basically cover all the ground. Like if you're, if somebody's asking a question between the two of us, one of us is bound to have personal Thyroid, experience Thyroid, hormones, it. eczema, skin stuff. Like, Let's take it away, totally, Kyle. Take it away. Totally. Um, so I have a form of eczema called seborrheic dermatitis on my scalp. And I can say diet 
absolutely makes a huge difference. So eczema or atopic dermatitis, it's a chronic skin condition. It causes redness, itching, sometimes oozing, crusting, scaling, fun stuff. Um, And the itching causes us to scratch, which then causes redness and inflammation. A lot of times uh, it will appear in infants and children, but it can start at any age. My mom's started later in life. Mine didn't pop up until I was in my 30s. And it's on the rise in industrialized countries. And um, interestingly enough, it's now being considered an autoimmune disease. So add it to the list of things now being considered autoimmune. Um, And the root cause is essentially a disturbance in your immune system. So there's a lot of different factors and causes associated with eczema and really just skin, skin issues in general. Uh, some of them are imbalance in your gut microbiome, leaky gut, food allergies, environmental toxins like air pollution or cigarette smoke, and also genetic predisposition. And there are so many things that can trigger it, too, which can kind of make it a little maddening to deal with. Um, Well, like any type of autoimmune stuff. Literally anything. Um, Stress, heat, humidity, cold, skin infections, sweat, pets, hormonal changes, um, like allergies, like dust, mold, pollens, and personal care products. So a lot of things can cause flares. Uh, There's actually a strong connection between eczema and allergies. People with eczema often have allergies to dust, mold, dander, pollens, and foods. And this was spot on for me. So with the food allergies, they'll cause damage to the intestinal lining, which can lead to leaky gut. And then that can lead to even more food reactions and sensitivities and flares of eczema. The main treatment that we see doctors use are steroid creams. And this is really meant to address the symptoms. Um, You know, most of the time you're going to the doctor because you've kind of like hit your breaking point. So they give you these creams to help manage the symptoms, but understand that eczema is a condition that starts from within. So that's where you need to start looking for root causes. Cortisone cream is kind of the go-to, and this will suppress your body's natural immune function. It is effective. So I'm not saying don't use something, don't use a prescription if you're like, I mean, eczema can get so bad you're not sleeping, you're itching so bad your skin is, you know, bleeding. I, I mean, I'm definitely not saying, you know, suffer through when there's something that can help ease your symptoms when they've gotten that bad. Uh, So don't necessarily do that, but understand that, you know, they can be helpful for the symptoms, but a lot of times once you stop using the creams, the symptoms just return and frequently worse than they were before. Uh, There's also topical immunomodulators. These are by prescription. And we're told by doctors that the topicals all only act locally, but when you're using them over large areas of skin for a long time, they can absolutely have systemic effects. So um, there's lots of things that you can do to start to kind of investigate ways that you can help control your symptoms, minimize your flares, figure out what triggers are for you. Diet is a huge piece, but it's really not the only player here. If you wanted to dive right in and get some testing done, you could do an IgE allergy test for food, um, also for mold, dust, and other kind of inhalants. You could do a comprehensive stool analysis to see if you have any dysbiosis going on, um, leaky gut, any issues with the gut. You could check your levels of hydrochloric acid. Uh, A lot of people with eczema have low levels of HCL. You could also check for a candida infection. Fungal infections are a common cause of eczema. But these tests, I, I feel like there's a lot that you could do on your own before you take it to the testing level. Um, elimination diet is my first place that I would send somebody with eczema to go to. Start off with gluten, dairy, and eggs. 
Uh, you could consider doing nightshades too if it's really bad, but I, I think just starting with gluten, dairy, and eggs. Elimination diet is the gold standard. It's free. It, in a month, you'll be able to start figuring out what you're having issues with. And we've said this before, it doesn't mean that they're gone forever. Sometimes you can heal the gut and reintroduce and see what happens. Just listen to what your body is trying to tell you. Um, and then other times it might be the frequency or the amount. And just kind of recognizing where your threshold is with certain foods can significantly reduce symptoms. Sugar is a huge trigger for me. Every single time I go home for Christmas and I have more wine and treats and just sugar than I usually do, my scalp starts to flare up almost like clockwork every single time. Um, <clears throat> look at processed foods, any processed foods that you're eating that maybe has uh, too much sugar, flour, chemicals, additives, artificial sweeteners, just inflammatory foods in general. Uh, all of these are going to contribute to whole body inflammation. And I just want to pop in here because yeah. in talking about elimination diets, there are so many... <laughs> There's so many different ways to skin the cat. Yep. Um, there's a lot of different types and styles of elimination diets. I mean, there's eczema diets out there. There is, you know, you could start just by removing processed foods, right? Like you were just yep. talking about. You could just start by removing processed foods and synthetic chemicals and start there. And then you can kind of take a layered approach to it. Um you know, my Fueled and Fit program, level three, is an elimination diet. You could go for a paleo-style diet. You could just remove the biggest offenders, like the biggest, most common food sensitivities. Um, so, you know, you talked about gluten, dairy, eggs. You could throw corn, soy into that mix. There's so many different ways to do it. And I think it can get a little bit overwhelming when thinking about it. So I kind of I kind of like play to your strengths. If you're the type of person that's like rip the Band-Aid off, then you could go full tilt to like an autoimmune paleo diet, which takes away all the offenders pretty much and then start layering them back in. Or you, can, if, if that is just so overwhelming to you, if you're eating the standard American diet, then just start with some really like simple stuff, like maybe just processed foods and gluten and dairy. But I mean, I have clients that come to me that, that are, that are, a hot mess. And I say that lovingly because, you know, I'm a hot mess too. But the the thought of just removing gluten is overwhelming to them, you know? So it's like yep. for, for that type of person, you wouldn't want to go full hog on an elimination style diet. So just there's so many ways to do it and just do the thing that's going to make you feel the best. I mean, Kyle, you've talked, we've both talked about this on the show before, how elimination diets can be so stressful and the stress of an elimination diet can cause a flare. I mean, it causes yep. cause an eczema flare, it can cause an autoimmune flare. So just be just be easy with yourself. On I that. got shingles while I was on an elimination <laughs> diet. So and I did the Shit. full shebang. So that's why like I am 100% in agreement. Um, even just tackling gluten, dairy and eggs, maybe you do them one by one. Maybe like all you're doing is focusing on one of those for two or three weeks and you're just seeing what happens and you're taking kind of like a slow approach to things. So I don't I it, I'm funny about eggs because I so I don't actually even though they're one of the highest inflam or the highest what am I trying to say the most common food allergens. Mm -hmm. I think they're such nutrient-dense bombs and we're struggling. Some of my clients are struggling to anchor blood sugar and they're struggling to get enough protein in. So I hate taking those away. Um, so I don't usually include those in some of my elimination diets, but I will say that there's one client that I have in mind that I, I missed the mark on it and I didn't take eggs out and that was the thing that was like making her yeah. sick. You know what I mean? So yeah. I heard for eczema specifically, eggs is one of the ones that you're going to maybe want to try out. And again, if it's a leaky gut situation, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a forever thing. It's not a true allergy. It's that just a trigger that right now your body is, is having difficulty with. You heal the gut, then you can reintroduce and then, you know... It doesn't mean that it's forever. Well, that's yeah. one of the problems too with with um, food sensitivity testing. When people, you know, I get I get that question more than anything else right now. It's like, what's the deal? Like, they'll send me a link to like a certain food sensitivity mm -hmm. test, and I'm like, first of all, how much time do you think 
I have where I'm going to go like do this research for you. Um, I don't have it. P.S. I don't have it. Um, but there's some utility. I certainly have favorite, my favorite test. It's Cyrex, um, just because they're like the gold standard. They're, they're, they really they, are. They do things very differently than anybody else. Um, but there, it has to be like carefully, there is utility to doing a food sensitivity test, but it, the, the timing of it has to be like kind of perfect. It has to be aligned because exactly like you're saying, Kyle, if there's leaky gut, if there's intestinal intestinal permeability going on, then you're going to get a food sensitivity test that's lit up like a Christmas tree. Like all the things, especially the things that you eat most frequently are going to register as food sensitivities but they might not actually be food, true food sensitivities. Yep. So um, I do think in this type of situation, an elimination diet is is kind of the best place to start. I agree. And you're going to want support on this because I remember the, the, the doctor I was working with at the time where I did a full elimination diet, got shingles. Like it was just the most stressful time in my life. And he was like, I think we should do a full elimination diet. That was just... It was not helpful. I did the allergy testing. I had everything like come up that I, I mean, and I was basically told, you know, yeah, avoid those things. And, um, you know, maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll add them back in someday. And I was just like freaking out. I mean, it was just not at all supportive. And yeah, it's just such an individualized approach that you still need with an elimination diet because it can cause so much stress. Um so we looked at the processed food. Oh, gut irritants like NSAIDs, antibiotics, aspirin, acid-blocking drugs, stress, infections, ibuprofen. All of these are irritants to the gut that, uh, again, can c- contribute to things like dysbiosis and leaky gut. Um, look at your personal care products. Think about all the chemicals that you're putting on your skin from lotions and creams and makeup. These have a systemic impact on your immune system. Look into safer brands like Beauty Counter. Switching products made a huge difference for my skin. And don't forget about household cleaning products, soaps, detergents. Um, check your products on the EWG website. Look at cheap jewelry that can cause reactions and irritations. I couldn't wear like most of my jewelry and earrings when I was, um, things were, things were real, real bad. Every, I was reacting to everything. So some things that can help. Well, I just want to say that um, people, if you're listening to this and you do have eczema or rashy skin or really sensitive skin and you're thinking about switching over your personal care products reach out to kyle because she can walk you through that because she has such you know you you have really i have sensitive skin but your skin is like your weakest link so you could talk 100 talk people through that and handhold them through making some of those decisions of like where to start because i know a lot of people want to try out beauty counter but they're so worried that they're going to get a skin reaction so you could definitely talk people through that for sure. Literally, my story is when I when I started using switching over was when I was first going to start putting products on my skin again after having like dermatitis, and I was so scared I was just going to make it worse. But it really, it made a huge difference for me. So. Some other things that can help, probiotics, prebiotics, and digestive enzymes. These can all help normalize the gut flora. Um, Supplementing with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids like evening primrose, uh, flaxseed, borage, 1 to 2 grams, 3 times daily of any of these or a combination. Uh, Fat-soluble vitamins too, taking a high-quality multivitamin can address multiple possible nutrient deficiencies. Uh, Increasing your intake of salmon, halibut, sardines, herring, two to four times a week would be a good goal. Um, This can give you the omega-3 oils that you need. Just for the halibut. Just for the halibut. And, you know, we say it for just about every single thing, sleep managing stress, exercising regularly, all of this is going to help reduce inflammation. Um, yeah, trying- it's like ground zero. It's so it really hard to is. build the foundation of, of health without enough sleep. And I, I always like struggle to say that because for two years of my life, I didn't sleep and I it was completely out of my control because hashtag children, right. uh, hashtag Hattie. But um, 
But God, it's so it's so freaking important. I want to back up a step because if you're talking about omega threes, and um, I know people are housing salmon, but eat the skin. So get wild caught sustainably sourced salmon and eat the skin. The skin houses most of the the essential fatty acids that we're looking for. Um, and same thing with sardines. I always get like you always want skin on bone-in sardines and when I buy canned salmon it's always with the skin on so just pro tip there so what do you do you just like pan sear it and just kind of just eat the eat the crunchy skin yeah yeah it's once it's like it's more I mean I know we've we've talked about this in the show it's like what what we're like culturally programmed to think is gross right it's like Mm -hmm. it's just it's not gross it's it's gross in our head and then you eat it and you're like oh it actually tastes pretty darn good um and then with the canned stuff i just had my my sister-in-law my almost sister-in-law just reach out she made my uh salmon cakes for my brother her and my brother ate them and she's like i was so afraid to get the bone-in skin on canned salmon but you're always saying that so i did it and nope we like we couldn't tell if they were in there yeah exactly exactly yep all right go ahead um quercetin (laughs) is another one this one was really interesting because i remember how i was saying there's a there's a big connection between having allergies and eczema so i always had bad allergies um basically from the time i was like in my early 20s um up until you know, I started making all these diet changes and it was so bad that I had to take an allergy pill year round. But then in the winter, I had to take a prescription nasal spray all winter. So I was doubling up in all winter. And I don't know what what prompted me to do this, but when I went on the elimination diet, um, I decided to come off my allergy meds at the same time. I, I don't truly have no idea why I did this but once I eliminated gluten and dairy not only did my skin reactions improve I have never needed allergy meds again oh my god I didn't know that about you never I take quercetin and nettles allergy supplement but that's it um that's it's it was just it was just one of those like things that I just had no idea that it was going to change anything. And then all of a sudden I noticed, wow, I made it through another year and I didn't need any allergy meds. And that was the only thing that I had changed. Um, Quercetin's also really great for inflammation and reducing pain. So you could try that. And then some natural creams with chamomile, licorice, comfrey root can really soothe and heal eczema without negative effects. Just remember that it's a systemic problem, not a skin problem. So the topicals are helping with symptom management, which is huge when you are irritated and inflamed and you can't stop itching, but you still got to get to the root cause. Cool, 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 cool. I talk about a lot of this stuff and kind of do a deep dive on gut health. I mean, we glossed over glossed over a little bit, um, but if you want more information, you can check out my online gut health workshop. I'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, yeah, because it kind of just goes in way more, way more in depth to the stuff, some of the stuff we're talking about. Yep. All right. Okay, let me get to this one. Okay, <laughs> this this one's a good I'm one. I'm so excited. <clears throat> hey, Erin. So I've been a Jillian junkie for quite some time until I found you and find she's talking myself- about Jillian Michaels, by the way. Yes, and find myself cross referencing info. What do you think about Jillian's position on keto? Makes sense to me. I do understand that she makes a living off of this stuff. So when you follow the money, one could be skeptical. Um, but there seems to be a lot of logic to the information she presents. Maybe a good podcast topic. Thanks, Kristen. All right. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to link to the article. You might have seen it before. It is an SEO dream. She's getting a lot of (laughs) click throughs. I'm not going to contribute to that. She's just basically taking a hard stance against keto and, um, that's basically what the article says. And a lot of other people are referencing it and clicking back to it and being like, I, it's just, it's become kind of a thing. So I don't know if you guys have seen it, but you can certainly go check that out if you want to. Before I dive into the nitty gritty of all of it, I just want to address something that has been on my mind a lot lately. The weird thing, Kyle, about our profession nutrition is that everybody thinks they're qualified to do it. It's like, oh, I eat, therefore I am qualified to tell other people how to eat. 
And it's mm-hmm. weird. It's very strange because you don't see this with many other professions, right? Like you don't, nobody's out there pretending to be a surgeon, right? Like yeah. I hope anyway. Um, and, and, and as a nutritionist, I'm sitting back here. I'm like, I'm not trying to tell people how to squat, right? I'm not, you know, I'm not telling people how to like deadlift, because that right. would hurt them. If I tried to tell you how to deadlift, I could potentially hurt you. But every personal trainer in the freaking world is out there giving nutrition advice as though they're qualified to give nutrition advice. And it's just this really bizarre thing where we, we, we're trying, a lot of people out there are trying, I think especially entrepreneurs or people in business for themselves, are trying to be the jack of all trades, right? They're trying to wear all the hats. And what happens when we're the jack of all trades? We become the master of none. So we just have a, a bunch of people out there trying to do all the things and not actually getting really good at just doing one thing. And honest to God, you guys, this is why I stopped teaching yoga. A lot of people will ask me about yoga. I haven't taught yoga in over two years. I will integrate it into workshops and I'll integrate it into certain things that I do but I'm not teaching classes, here's why. When I do something, I want to be the best at it, you know? And I'm not saying that that's necessarily great, but it's good for, for my career, that's for sure. And so if I'm when I was teaching yoga, I was constantly studying yoga. I was out there taking classes all the time. I was taking workshops. I was, you know, I have notebooks upon notebooks upon notebooks filled with yoga notes. I, I mean, that's what I did because I wanted to be good at it. I said, if I'm going to put myself in the position to teach this, then you better believe I want to have a working understanding of it. And so it became too much because I was splitting my time between nutrition and yoga. And at a certain point, I was like, I cannot do both if I want to do them well, right? So I had to hang my hat up as a yoga teacher and I just totally took on nutrition. And I just think we have to kind of think about that. Um, Maybe we can just do what we do and do it really well and do it with some pride versus trying to do all the things, right? Is this making sense? Am I like, I, am yes. I speaking your language? It takes a village. So if you're cutting off, like if you're trying to practice like an island and be everything to everyone, then I don't think you're doing a service to anyone. Like, I, I agree. Think you have you have to understand where your strengths are. You have to know what the resources are in your community. And the thing that I've found with people that didn't like nutrition isn't their main jam is that it's not individualized recommendations. It's them figure them seeing one thing work and them recommending that same thing to everyone. That's what I've noticed the most from the kind of random uh, giving nutrition advice without any real like credentials behind it. It's it's like they're they're championing one way of doing things and that's it. Or they like exactly yes and then they're very um like any anyway anytime the wind shifts they shift too. So maybe it's like I'm a keto coach and right. then the next year they're like actually it's more about a plant-based diet. You know, you just see these like <laughs> right. big broad like huge changes, but exactly right. If if you, I think the mark of somebody without experience is somebody telling, is giving one answer for everybody. It's it's anybody making yep. a blanket statement saying this is good or this is bad. It's like, well, maybe you actually don't know enough. Um, and I know this is probably going to be super inflammatory and this is probably going to rub people the wrong way, but I, we just need to talk about this stuff. I mean, we really do. And if you're interested in nutrition, go to school to study it. Right. I mean, like go to real school. I had a client uh, recently, I think it was last week or the week before, and she was asking me a question and I was like, oh, yeah, you don't want to do that. She's like, well, my friend told me to do it. And I listened to her because she studied nutrition online. I'm like, of course she did. Of course she did. (laughs) Who hasn't studied nutrition online these days? Right. Right. And unfortunately, the advice that her friend gave her wasn't only like bad advice, but it was potentially really harmful to this particular person. So, I mean, if you do want, I'm not discouraging people from going down this route, but if, if, if you do want to do it, do the damn thing, get the education, then get yourself in the trenches, work with clients. Yeah. The education gives you the ability to, to look at things with context. And to figure out like what is actually like what's real, what's, you know, applicable to the one person in front of you. Like it's just. Yeah. What's the noise versus like what does this person actually need to hear? Right. 
And then when you're working with clients and you get them results, that's when you can start educating the masses, right? Like that's when you're like, I have enough knowledge and experience behind me to put myself on a platform to teach more people. And I think the problem with nutrition today, and this could be said for a lot of things, but the problem today is that we're trying to do this in reverse, because everybody wants to be the Instagram star, right? Everybody mm-hmm. wants to be the health guru, the the next big health blogger, the you know the the fitness and nutrition professional. Everybody wants their platform. Um, I'm reading a book right now. It's an awesome book called Company of One by Paul Jarvis. It's about business and staying small in business. And he's talking about right now everybody's chasing their passion because like that's what they're told to do, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you want to like you you your passion is your work and he he's saying it's like you don't get good at business or you don't get good at your work by chasing your passion. You become passionate about getting uh, by becoming really good at your craft and really good at your work. And I think I think that's sorely lacking right now. That's um, so spot on. You and I have it? had this conversation before where like people are so desperate. You know, the noise makes you feel like you're doing life wrong if you're not like crazy passionate about something. But sometimes the passion comes from just doing that thing. And then like, you know, it, it comes later. It doesn't necessarily, be, it's not necessarily the thing that you just all of a sudden have an abundance of and that's what like floats everything else that's to come next. Like it's not in that order. Marie Forleo always says, she's like, you don't have to make every habit a business, like you or every um, hobby a business. Just because you love something doesn't mean you have to make money off of doing it. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's just good, a good reality check, especially in the age of social media where like we just think that everybody's out there doing the damn thing as an entrepreneur. And it's like, that's actually not the case. Um, and you also don't become an expert. I just want to throw this out there by screaming the loudest. Just because <laughs> you have the biggest platform or like the the a marketing maven behind you doesn't mean that you're actually the expert. You get to become the expert by doing all the unglamorous, tedious hard work. Like that's how you become the expert. It's like the behind the scenes stuff, right? Yep. Um and I would just say that just because you're a personal trainer doesn't mean that you need to do nutrition coaching with your clients. Maybe, maybe you just get really good at personal training and learn to be the expert there, master that craft. I can tell you as a nutritionist, I'm so stoked to refer my clients out to people who are doing really good things and like are really good at that craft. I'm not going to refer people out who are trying to juggle a different couple, like a, a bunch of different balls, right? I want to refer people out to somebody that's that's really has honed their craft and is very good at what they do. Yep. And so to bring all of this full circle, I really honestly don't know a ton about Jillian Michaels and her education, but she's a trainer, right? That's how she that's how she started. She's a personal trainer. She is not a nutrition expert. She's not. Um, so if I want an awesome workout, I'm going to go to Jillian Michaels. But if I want nutrition advice, I'm not going to go to her for that. And I will say that, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, you also don't become a nutrition expert just because you work on The Biggest Loser with dietitians or nutritionists. Like it, it, that, that's like the same methodology of like the same way of thinking of, well, I read a lot of nutrition blogs, so I'm a nutrition expert. She's a trainer. And yes, she's been around people that handle the nutrition piece, but that doesn't mean that now she is capable of handling the nutrition piece. I will also say a couple of years ago, per recommendation of a friend, um, I got the I bought her app. So she has an app, a workout app, and I was and my friend was loving it, and I was doing I was home with Hattie, so I was doing a lot of home workouts at the time, and they were great workouts. And then I noticed that the app had like a nutrition feature, like a, a meal plan, and I looked at it out of curiosity one day, and I was like, this cannot be real life. Twelve hundred calories. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Exactly right. The <laughs> breakfast that she was, I was like, that's a light snack. Uh, that's like, a, always, <laughs> like always. I was so shocked. And it, I, it, 
she really lost credibility in my eyes, like in a major, major way after that. I was like, yeah, so I don't even want to pay you money for this app anymore because what you're telling people to do is starve themselves. And I'm all set with that. And the workouts, her, she has killer workouts. So I'm not going to do one of her hard ass workouts and then fuel myself with an egg white spinach omelet. Like, are you kidding me? And not <laughs> like, for nothing, but all of the the uh, biggest losers – all, like a lot of them gain their weight back, mm -hmm. which just tells us that that restriction model actually doesn't work long term. You will lose weight. You'll also crash your system and the weight will come spiraling back to you. So please don't do that. Um, all right. But this is really what I want to talk about today. It's understanding how people consume content. And so this is kind of what I was alluding to before. In what where Jillian Michaels is actually excelling. She's an expert on getting her voice heard. That's where she's an expert. She's not a nutrition expert, okay? Does that make sense? Like what I'm saying, like her platform is very big. That does not mean she ha is saying the best things. She's just saying it in the loudest way possible. And when I'm talking about consuming, I always think about, about, about this. Um, I was, this is years ago, and a friend of mine's mom, found out I was a nutritionist and she was like, oh, well, what's the healthiest fruit for me to eat? That was like her, that was her one question for me. It's like your one question to ask a nutritionist, this is what it is. And those are the types of questions that we get. It's people want to consume content in easy, digestible, no pun intended, bite-sized pieces. Tell me what the healthiest fruit is, right? She wants the easy answer. Of course, there's no such thing as the healthiest fruit, but her brain is so trained to consume content that way, to metabolize information that way, right? That's what we've trained people to do is just to look for the easy, give me the one word answer. And we know that that's so impossible to do, but, but that's what we're doing. We're learning our facts via clickbait. And it relates to everything these days, not just nutrition, politics, health, food, all of it. I mean, sit down and think like, when is the last time you actually read an article <laughs> in full, right? When? Maybe you've got through three quarters of it, but like, have you, when's the last time you consumed content from start to finish? I have so many friends who are like, how do you have time to read books? I'm like, well, that's a priority of mine. I love reading books. Yeah, you I'm, make time. I make time, right? But like we're, we're, we've trained ourselves out of, we're so busy, we've trained ourselves out of consuming long form content. And I mean, even if I've noticed this recently that articles, like internet articles on the top of them, they'll have the length of time that's required to read it. Have you have you noticed that? No. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's like two minutes to read. So like we're 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 creating content with with this with this wow. idea in mind that people can only consume short bursts of it. And and when it comes to the complexity of the human body, it's just not good enough. It's I've said it a thousand times if I've said it once. We can't just give those easy answers. Uh, that's why we're all confused about nutrition because everyone's trying to give the easy answer and the easy answer doesn't exist. And I do think that is one of the benefits of this podcast. We have the time to create long form content. I mean, it's literally the number one reason I started this show. So we can unpack topics and really explore them from every different angles. And, you know, we've, Kyle, we've tried to put time caps on the show. All, I mean, like since the dawn of time, and we can <laughs> never do it. We always fail because it's hard to create really good, solid, deep, robust content in a short period of time. But mm -hmm. that's what everybody is doing. It's like, don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Just give us the cliff notes. What's the biggest takeaway message here? And I think the people that are generating the most traffic are the ones that are playing this game. And they're also the ones taking a hard stance, right? Like they're, they're the ones willing to go out on a limb and being like, this is good. Do this. It's the blanket statements that you were talking about earlier. Like this is good for everybody. Everybody needs to do this. Jillian Michaels' message is clickbait because it's inflammatory. People are clicking through. Like that's because because she's saying something inflammatory. She's also giving a yes, no answer. And people want yes, no answers. They want to put things into categories. Like we want to be able to say keto is good or keto is bad. We want to be able to say this is the way because it's easier on our brain, right? That's how our brains work. We want those easy answers. 
people are looking for that. And I, I think that marketing mavens know this and they create content in response to this. So, you know, Jillian Michaels is for the masses, right? She's creating content for the bulk of people. We know that the masses don't fact check. Most of us don't have time for that. We just want the easy answer. And she's serving that easy answer up on a silver platter. And I think I'm not going to go into all the nuance of everything she says and pick it apart. Just understand the reason that you're reading it and saying, I think she's onto something here is because she's giving you an easy, consumable answer. Um, I can't get through the article because she advocates for so strongly for caloric restriction. So, you know, she's telling people to eat 1,200 calories. She loses her validity there with me right out of the gate. Some of the information in the article is erroneous at best. I mean, she she says that keto uh, ketosis is a state of medical emergency. That's actually not true at all. Ketoacidosis is. They're com two completely different things. So again, you lose your vid validity there with me when you're trying to talk about science and you don't understand it. So sorry. Um, you know, if you're going to whack scientific, then you need to come correct. And that's kind of my take on it. I'm not giving it any more time than that. I just wanted to unpack some of the the backdrop of all that was going on with that. Yep. I like it. Go to Jillian for squats, not science. <laughs> cool, dude. All right. Cool. That's it. Check you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you. 